with another exciting episode of Rick's Horror Movie Review Show. That's Rick's Rated R Horror Movie Review Show, where we review all things related to horror. Horror movies, horror TV shows, horror documentaries, horror video games. Yes, those are coming up soon. Horror short stories from the old YouTubes, and yes... Horror primetime specials from the 1990s featuring Barbara Walters. And I'm here down because we absolutely love that shit around here. But if I am honest with you all, there's a very special type of horror that I tend to gravitate to because it's got greater gravitational pull. And that's horror that deals with the Catholic Church. And demonic possession, of course. I love that shit. But I also love horror movies or horror stories or horror TV shows that deal with witches and witches' covens. And zombies, of course. And vampires and werewolves, as it turns out. But I also love stories that, you know, just deal with simple ghosts that live in your attic. They haunt that space for no reason, and sometimes they come down to the kitchen and move shit around because, you know what? Ghosts get bored. What are you supposed to do? Bored ghosts do all kinds of shit. If you are a new listener, welcome to our show. We love having you here. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. We appreciate you being here. And before my producers start barking in my ears, I'd like to invite you to come check out our socials at the TikToks at Rick's Horror, and on the Instagram, and the Facebooks. And of course, I'll let Lester Holt take this one. Mr. Lester Holt, follow us on our YouTube. If you like that clip, follow us on our YouTube channel. Thank you so much for being here. But before we go on any further, I'd like to introduce... The co-host to Rick's Raider, a horror movie review show, Billy the AI! Ah, yes, I'm here, as usual. It's time for us to... It's time for us to get back to the future, Marty. Wait, uh, hold on a second. Let, let me, I'm gonna do you now, right now. Uh, ready? Yeah, yeah, watch this. Ah, oh, come on, Marty! Jack Hedda! To the future. My name is Rick, and I love Back to the Future. Oh, look at look at look how much music from the Back to the Future I use. I don't sound like that, dude. Oh, you sound just like this. No, I don't. No, I don't. Okay. All right. All right. That's enough. That's enough. All right. All right. I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, it's good to be here, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get it done. Let's get it done, indeed. And tonight's episode, as usual. All right, let me guess. It's a special one. You guessed it right. It's an absolute special one. Tonight, we are reviewing a little film by the name of Cabin in the Woods. I absolutely love this movie. Movie, Billy, did you uh, did you like this movie? Ah, uh, you know what? I really liked it. Yeah, but uh, you know, let's uh, let's get the show on the road. Let's let's get it done. Get it done indeed! Without further ado, if you are new, we have a simple format around here that we'd like to adhere to as much as we possibly can. And that format is as follows. I'm going to tell you why I chose to review this movie. Why I chose to review this this movie, Mr. Spock. And then we'll get into four fun film facts with Billy the AI. After that, I'll tell you what kind of horror film this is. I'll tell you whether or not the jump scare was overused. Then I'll tell you about the things that I liked about this film. Not things in general, there's all kinds of shit that I like. For example, a good cup of coffee like this one. That's good coffee. Then I'll tell you about the things I didn't like. But no, I'm not going to talk about things in general that I don't like. I don't like a bunch of shit, including slashers. And I'll tell you whether or not this film is entertaining. I'll also tell you whether this film is scary. Hey, mister. Hey, mister. Mister. Hey, mister. 
Yeah, what do you want, kid? Is this... Is this... Get out of here, child! Yes, this film is... Get out of here! Always bothering me whether or not this film is scary. The goddamn horror movie. What do you expect? You want it to be not scary? Damn children. Up yours, children. Then I'll tell you whether or not this film is entertaining. You can have a film that has many things that you like and many things that you don't like, but, you know, in the end, you can still find it entertaining. And I'm doing things with my hands again. Then I'll tell you whether or not I endorse this film because I like to endorse shit when I like it. Then I'll give you a rating, some context. We'll talk about whether or not there was some stuff that's illogical or not. Then we'll do a plot review. That's right, plot review time. Plot review commentary and as Billy knows, a script accurate, script accurate dramatization of exactly all the stuff that happened in the movie. Ah, uh, hold on a second. I, I know we haven't done one of these in a while, but you never do script accurate stuff. Oh, Billy, 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 watching the wrong version of the movie again. Now, hold on just a second. Uh, you, you know what? Great that way we're going to tell the audience that this, that this is not a script accurate. I agree to nothing. This is a script accurate dramatization. Oh, Lord. Oh, my goodness. Fun. All right. We'll do a script accurate improvisation. And then maybe we'll do an interpretation of the film, depending whether or not we thought there was something that needed to be interpreted. And I think for this one there is. And then I'll give you another rating. And without further ado, let's just j jump right into this one. Okay. So why this movie? Why did we decide to review The Cabin in the Woods? It's a movie that I have heard a ton about. In this business. In this business. Oh, in this business, yeah. In this business, I have heard a lot about this movie. And I think I remember watching this in the olden days when this came out, but I haven't seen it in a really long time, and I don't remember. Well, I didn't remember. So I thought, hey, why not? We have a movie review show now. We didn't have one then. Let's, uh, let's review this movie. And that's the reason why. Okay, let's jump right into four fun film facts with Billy the AI. Ah, okay. Uh, here we go. Uh, welcome to uh, welcome to f to four fun film facts with Billy the AI. I am your host, Billy the AI, where we like to talk about fun film facts that happen in the film because they're fun and they're film and they happen to be facts. Okay, Billy. What are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm just doing an introduction like you always do an introduction. So what, what's the problem? I mean, I guess by all means, have at it. You, you want to do an introduction for your segment? Well, you know, I thought, you know, that it would be kind of cool to add like a kind of cool. Do you like it when I say the word kind of cool? That's two words. Oh, come on. Let's get this show on the road, Billy. Ah, uh, roads. Ah, uh, where we're going, we 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 don't need uh, roads. Okay, I like it. I I can't complain. Here, take this. Ah, ah, <laughs> ah! That's good. That's good. Okay, Bill. All right, all right. Come on, come on, come on. Let's get let's get it. I'm not gonna say. It. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Okay, okay, I get it done. All right. Anyway. The concept, uh, fun fact number one here on, uh, well, welcome back to Four Fun Film Facts with Billy D.A.I. We're, 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 we're glad to have you here. Anyway, here's, uh, here's fun film fact number one. Uh, the concept of the ancient ones in the film, and this is a little spoily, I gotta be honest with you. Most of the stuff is gonna be spoiler for it, but I have to, I have to mention this, it's a fun film fact. But the concept of the Asian ones in the film serves as a metaphor for the audience of horror films. That's you. Me? Yes, that's, that's you. Just me? No, I mean everybody that watches horror films. So that's also you? Yeah, that's me. So is it me or is it you? Uh, it's me and you. So then it's us. 
Yeah, then it's us. So this is us. Man, can you let me go on? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go on, go on, go on. Ah, lot a lot. So this idea plays into the film's overarching commentary on the nature of horror storytelling and the expectations of us, the audience. Ah, so us. That's us. Lord, a lot. Little testy tonight there, huh, Billy? Can I, can I go on? Please, by all means, go on. Anyway, uh, there's a cameo by a very, very famous actress and, uh, as uh, Rick likes to say, she's the finalist of Final Girls. And uh, she makes a surprising cameo. And it was a very well-guarded secret for many and uh, very well-received. And, you know, I also really like her. I, I really like her. She's my favorite Final Girl, too. Good, good. You got a good taste, Timmy. You got a good bit. Good taste, Billy. Did you just call me Timmy? I did not just call you Timmy. I was a uh, slip of the tongue and I was uh, thinking about somebody else. All right. Anyway, here's a... Uh, Here's a fun film fact number three. Uh, this movie is an Easter egg bonanza uh, from horror movie Muffs. Uh, uh, uh. Did you just say Muffs? Ah, oh, man. Sometimes, I, uh, you know, like my algorithm sometimes could get, get a little weird. But uh, yes, I meant to say for horror movie Muffs. Okay, that's good. Yeah, so for uh, horror movie Muffs, the... Oh, Lord, I just said it again. <laughs> ah, maybe you need some breathing exercises there, Billy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, brown cow, you're Nick, you're York. You're Nick, no, York. Good, good, good. Go on. All right. As I was saying, this is an Easter egg bonanza for horror movie buffs. Good job, good job. Hey, very nice. This film is like, you know, an Easter egg hunt almost. It contains numerous, very subtle references and nods to other horror films and icons, including, and maybe you don't know this one, but including Pinhead from Hellraiser. Do you know Pinhead from Hellraiser? Billy, 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 of course I know Pinhead from Hellraiser. He was my, uh, he was my next door neighbor. Ah, uh, come on. Ah, uh, the twins from The Shining, and even creatures that resemble those from Left 4 Dead. I know. Now, I know that you like that game. Billy, that game is in the pantheon of horror video games. By the way, Left 4 Dead 2, Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead 2, and Back 4 Blood. All amazing. All amazing horror films. I- I'm sorry. All amazing uh, zombie co-op video games. And they are so much fun with friends alone or in pairs and up to four people even if you're playing with the bots that, g- that game is amazing all of those games are amazing and maybe we should do a review of back for blood yeah you should definitely do it, it sounds like you really like that game i absolutely love that game okay uh anyway yeah you'll find references to to some of the creatures that uh, are in the left for dead video games okay and here is uh here's the last fun film fact uh, this film, uh, the, the Cabin in the Woods, is a, I love Letter to Horror. Both, uh, you know, the, the writers, uh, Goddard and Josh Whedon, which, man, the, wild, I know a lot of the one we shouldn't name, Billy. The one we shouldn't name. Yeah, both of them had expressed that the film was a sort of love letter to the horror ranger. It does critique and play with standard horror tropes and it's really done with a deep affection and understanding of the horror cinema because clearly they're fans and they understand it. Anyway, that's been all fun film facts with Billy D.A.I. Good job, Billy. Congratulations. Well done again. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, how, how am I doing? You're doing terrific. Keep it up. And remember, you don't have to do just four. If you want to do more or you want to do less, it's completely up to you. Oh, okay, the next time I'm gonna do 40 fun film facts with Billy Day. Yeah, ah, then. Oh, all right, all right. Relax. Nobody wants to hear 40 fun film facts with Billy Day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you should make it a poll. Should Billy do 40 fun film facts with Billy Day? We're not gonna do a poll. No one wants to hear that. No one wants to see that. Ah, uh, okay. Well, guess what? I, I, I'm gonna do the poll anyway, so. Joke's on you. <laughs> Anyway, moving on with the show. 
what kind of horror film is this? This is obviously horror, <laughs> but there's kind of dark humor to this as well. So if you like that kind of combination, it is pure horror. That's very, there's some pretty grimy stuff in here. I wouldn't say we'll get into whether or not this is scary or not shortly, but it is horror. It definitely respects the trope that you expect to see in a horror film and it does it well. There's also a tremendous amount of dark humor, which is really enjoyable. So really well done combination of dark horror and human. Is this film scary? It's not. It just isn't. I think this film is rated PG-13, and even if it was a rated R film, I just don't think the intent was ever to make it scary. If you are a horror movie aficionado, I doubt that you'd find anything scary anymore, but this certainly isn't one. So this one gets zero out of ten on the scary scale, because it's just not. It's just not funny. And here's my dream, also. This movie's just not that funny. I mean, come on. It's just not. Is the jump scare in the Carolina woods overused? There are a fair amount of jump scares in this film, but I would say that it is not overused. It is well used. It is well executed. The jump scares, they are well placed. And if you are a fan of this show, you know that I am not susceptible to the jump scare, but I will admit, one of them got me. Congratulations for using the jump scare correctly. And now on to the things I like sponsored as usual by no one. The meta horror concept, the cabin in the woods is renowned for its meta horror approach. And no, I don't mean meta world. Please, if you're a Los Angeles Lakers fan, you know exactly what I mean by meta horror. This film not only presents a horror story, but it also serves as a commentary on the mechanics uh, of the horror genre itself. Uh, this is an innovative concept that was, you know, the collaborative brainchild of Drew Goddard and producer Joss Whedon. Known for their work in, you know, genre-bending storytelling. So, yes, this is, uh, this is something that I really am liked. I really like the meta-horror concept. It was amazing and it was well-executed. I also like the fact that they chose to avoid a ton of CGI for authenticity. Now, there is a fair amount of CGI. There's just some things that, you know, probably more challenging than not to do with practical effects, but I respect the decision to use mostly practical effects, especially for some of the uh, the makeup and the uh, creatures themselves. The practical effects in this film are amazing. The makeup is amazing. Now, you know, you have to work with lighting as well. So it's not just the fact that you have good makeup on or good makeup artists, you know, the, the folks that also set up the lighting in this film, tremendous. The scenes are not too dark and they're not too light. And I just feel like this combination of practical and CGI effects is really well done. A marriage that will last definitely for eternity. There are another thing I like. Another thing I like, the subversion of horror tropes. One of the most celebrated aspects of that cabin in the woods, in my opinion, is that it's clever subversion of typical horror movie cliches the film takes familiar elements from classic horror films like the remote cabin the group of college students uh the lurking evil uh -huh, the lurking evil yeah um <laughs> and it just turns them on and turn that some bit sideways and stick it straight up your candy ass ladies and gentlemen the rock making a special guest appearance and then it veers into a completely different and often very intriguing territory. And I really enjoyed that. Another thing I really liked about this movie was the climactic, the climactic final act. The final act of the movie I, th I thought was spectacular, showcasing various monsters from uh, you know, various monsters and various horror film entities unleashed in a chaotic and visually appealing, I would say, intriguing sequence. And this part of the film, I think is often probably cited as 
you know, the best part of the movie, just because of the sheer creativity, creativity and the sheer volume of horror film references and uh, that it packs into, you know, a single scene. I also really like the unexpected death and themes of this film beyond the horror comedy that you see on the surface. The Cabin in the Woods sometimes, often, often, often offers commentary on the nature of sacrifice and choice and free will, which to me is, you know, always interesting. And it also raises questions about the manipulation and the voyeuristic nature of horror entertainment, which is obviously what we're talking about here. But also adding an unexpected philosophical, philosophical depth uh, to the film. So those are the things I really liked about this movie. And now on to the things I didn't like. Nothing. I liked all of it. I really did. There's not much to say here. So congratulations. Is this film entertaining? Is this film the most entertaining and electrifying man in sports entertaining? If you smell what the Rick is cooking. A little more rock there, Mr. Rock. If you don't know who the rock is, have you been living under a rock this entire Everyone knows who the rock is. This film is absolutely entertaining, 100%. Do I endorse this film? Hi, my name is Rick, and I absolutely endorse this, endorse of this film. Go watch it. Do yourself a favor. Go watch this movie. Do yourself a favor. Phenomenal film. Underrating. I am going to give this movie. Probably expect this by now, but the cabin in the woods gets an absolute perfect rating—a ten out of ten for the cabin in the woods. It is just well done. It stands the test of time. It's fantastic. It's horror. It's funny, and it's. Everything well done all at once. And congratulations to Kevin in the Woods. Billy, what do you think? 10 out of 10 or what? Uh, well, you know, I also really like this movie. So, yeah, I, I'm going to agree with that. I'm also going to give this movie a 10 out of 10. So, cue the Back to the Future music again. By the way, you didn't give it a special introduction. You're right. We got to get back to the future, buddy. Oh, love. Uh, any, any opportunity, huh? Absolutely any opportunity. No, 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 no. Your kids are fine, Marty. Something's got to be done about you. No, no, no. You don't want to be assholes, Marty. It's your kids. They're fuck-ups. Oh, love. A little rusted there, huh? Just a tad bit. Just a tad bit. It's cold. It's cold in LA. It's actually raining. Oh, it was, it was raining in LA. That's right. Yeah, it's very cold and rainy. Well, not Georgia, but I like that song. And we move on! Thankfully, this film doesn't require a lot of context. It's a well-self-contained story, and uh, that's it. So without further ado, let's just jump right into the script-accurate dramatization and plot review of this film. It's not script accurate to please. Let's be honest here. The script accurate dramatization begins now. Okay, so. Ew. The movie opens up with a uh, facility where Gary and Steve, who are two technicians, engineers I thought they were, and they are talking about women's issues before Wendy Lynn, another one of the tech, joins them and alludes to something happening in Sweden and had Japan. Won't let them down and she interrupts Steve and, uh, and Gary, obviously discussing important issues. Ah, Wendy, ah, can, you, can you leave us alone for a second? We're discussing very important issues that you would know nothing about. Um, 
what issues are those? Um, we're talking about... We're talking about women's issues. Mm, I, I might know. I might know a thing or two about women's issues. <laughs> Nonsense, Wendy. <laughs> we're talking about reproductive rights. You'd know nothing about that, Wendy. Anyway, get out of here. This is a, this is a men discussing women's issues. Just leave us alone. Then we cut to a scene of someone in you know, 20 something getting ready. A bunch of 20 somethings getting ready for a road trip and uh, a couple of girls. And then Kurt shows up at Dana and Jules' apartment and uh, outside Holden catches the football. Another one of the characters and one of the cool 20 something guys. And suddenly, Marty! Marty! You made it! Marty shows up. That's right, there's a character in this movie by the name of Marty. Marty! You made it! This is the big one. This is the one I've been waiting for all my life. And suddenly, Marty jumps into a time machine and the Kevin in the Woods begins. And that's how this movie in. That's how this movie in. Oh my goodness. Stop making shit up, man. Alright, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All right, anyway, anyway, it's like that. There is a character by the name of Marty. And he shows up. And he's the last one to show up. And then they hit the road and they move home called the Dungeon of Doom. I don't remember what the name is. I don't I'm sure like that. And of course they have to stop at a gas station because, you know, who packs gasoline before you go on a road trip? No, you do it after you pick everybody up. That's the, the rule of, uh, rules of the road on the road again. <laughs> I haven't danced in a while. Meanwhile, back at the facility, you got Gary and Steve now joined by Truman, facility security guard who is eager to get to work. And I'm gonna shot back at the gas station and it looks empty, but suddenly out of nowhere. <laughs> gas station attendant Mordecai shows up and he's a brooding old man and this guy's just hurling insults back and forth at the teenagers and he's just Y'all teenagers out there, y'all think you know everything, huh? I'm tell you back in the wooden days, we had men pumping our gears. Now you teenagers with your fancy electric vehicles and the wrecking and whatnot. Back in the olden days, we liked the coal burning vehicles and that's the way we liked it. Them vehicles were black and they were hard to clean and they were heavy as fuck and they could kill you instantly and insurance prices were out of the world. It was insane. And just a small collision at 20 or 30 miles an hour could send you to the hospital and potentially kill you. But that's the way we left it. Them fancy vehicles nowadays with all the safety features and whoop. Ha! Total complete joke. Um, we don't have a car, we have an RV. <laughs> where you ain't coming back where you're going. Ain't no coming back from that road, let me tell you. Cause where you going, you don't need roads. Roads. Did you say roads, Mordecai? No, 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 no. Where we're going, we don't need roads, Mordecai. Doc Brown shows up, of course, to say that. So the kids are on their way And you know they hit a tunnel And then suddenly the audience Us Sees a bird crash into An invisible force field and Captain Kirk analysis On screen Mr. Spock A potentially Large and invisible Force field lies before us We must analyze Mr. Spock. And they arrive, of course, after they see the force field into a cabin that is old and dilapidated, just like Mordecai. And they take a peek inside the intrepid young folks that they are. 
And Holden, the token minority character, because in 2012, you couldn't have too many minority characters. It's part of the main cast. You can have them as auxiliary characters. Actually, I think that's still the case in 2024. <laughs> so the black guy who's black, but not too black, Holden sees a creepy painting and pulls it down only to reveal a two-way mirror before having an internal battle between good and evil as to whether or not he should tell Dana, who's on the other side, that he can see her getting dressed and undressed. Oh my God. Should I tell her? I can see her boobies. <laughs> I should tell her. And he covers up the mirror with some painting and some blanket. And then the camera pans out and it revealed that Gary and Steve, the ambiguously gay, the ambiguously gay duo, are monitoring the entire situation in the cabin. And that's our first, that's the first time we see that something strange is happening in this film. And then the die that Jules, one of the other characters, one of the other, the other teenagers, I mean the other 20-something, the die that Jules used to recently dye her hair blonde is going to gradually make her a dumb blonde. Somehow, they don't explain the science behind that, but you know what really grinds my gears and you just say something, and I, I should have put this in the things I didn't like, actually. It doesn't, they, don't, they don't explain to us how this dye is happening, but you know what, we're going to drink the Kool-Aid. How oh, far so good? When they give him a mulligan. And then anyway, Mordecai calls uh, uh, calls uh, Gary and Steve to tell him that the kids are on their way. But he goes off on some tangent about the ancient ones. Blah, 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 blah. Well, what they... The fossil fuel guy's gonna be angry at you. Uh, Gary and Steve, you don't stand me 20-something here, oh, and... They don't never know the difference between an electric vehicle and a coal burning vehicle. Now, what happened to the damn country? I'll tell you what. But the gals we must pay, duh. I done reckon the Lord Jesus Christ Almighty's gonna be watching over me. And he's gonna tell me how exactly this twine something's gonna be sacrificed. In the meantime, Gary and Steve and everybody in the, in the, in the command center is just like, <laughs> What's that, Mordecai? And he's on speaker. I'm out on speaker. No, Mordecai, you're, you're totally not on speaker. <laughs> I'm mocking this guy. They just mocked this guy. Poor old Mordecai. And then there's a scene of the, you know, the 20-something, the college kids, doing college kid things. Running and running, running, fast as they can into some lake. And, uh, you know, we're back in the old office where Gary and Steve are working. And Wendy Lynn, of course, who doesn't know anything about women's issues, are the main topic to discuss. And they're taking bets on certain situations that will happen in the cabin. Pleasure bets. No, no more bets. No more bets. And then Steve and Gary and, you know, other characters are talking about the kids having the ability to exercise free will and leave the circumstances that they will soon find themselves in. But they likely won't. Because they dumb. And back in the cabin, the kids are doing a little smoking. Hey, 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 Multiband. And a little booze and good, 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 good. Uh, before playing some truth or dare game. Truth or dare. I dare you to kiss the moose. <laughs> All right, I'll kiss the moose. And, you know, Jules kisses the moose. Very erotic fashion. And then Dana. It's dared to check out what's in the cellar when, of course, she don't reckon oblige. And there she goes. 
And she's walking around, and, you know, with a little tiny flashlight. A tiny flashlight. And there she goes, and she's walking around in a little fascinating mask. She's doing the way the characters hold flashlights, because this is the way normal people hold flashlights. You gotta have your shoulders in like this, and got a good grip on the mic. And you peek over. Nothing. <laughs> and she's looking for shit. And suddenly sees a picture of the Buckner family. But no, not Bill Buckner from the Boston Red Sox years. Where the ball went right through uh, his old legs. Not that Buckner, but another Buckner family who probably lived in the same cabin. And then the picture scares the shit out of her. Ah, the picture. Ah, it's people. Is it Dorian Gray? It's not. It's not Dorian Gray. And as she screams, everybody else joins her in the cabin, and you know, they're all checking out the old shit that's in there, and uh, Dana finds Patience Buckner's diary. Now that's an interesting combination. Because when I thought about that, immediately in my head, I thought, <whistles> Just a little patient. Yeah, I've been walking the streets tonight. All right, <laughs> just a little patient. Yeah, I need you. I need you. But Marty, Marty, we gotta get back upstairs, Marty. Don't listen to all those idiots down there. You gotta come back up and. And then we're going to go back back to the future after this, Marty. Come back upstairs. Stop looking at creepy shit. The DeLorean's waiting outside. It's all ready to go, Marty. Marty wants to go back upstairs because the doc's waiting for him up there somewhere. But of course, none of these 20-something-year-olds are listening because they know everything. By the time you hit 22, you know, you know absolutely everything about anything. But anyway, she finds... Patient Buckner's diary. And in that diary, some gory shit is happening. When that baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some gory shit. And the diary talks about what happened to her in the black room. And there's also some Latin in the diary, but of course, Marty doesn't want that Latin read. And of course, guess what happens? They read the Latin. That's right. And as she reads the Latin, the zombies outside, who turn out to be the Buckners, and Patience, Buck- Patience Buckner also included, wake up. And you see uh, the zombies awaken from their grave. And they start zombying around. And back at the facility, the maintenance department wins the pot. Congratulations, maintenance, because they chose killer zombies. Billy, what'd you choose, by the way? Did you choose killer zombies as uh, potential killers? Uh, I mean, I had no idea what the hell they were betting on, to be honest with you. So, no, I, I, I didn't choose anything. I was just, uh, I, I was a little confused at this point in the moment, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, we had just gotten a glimpse of what the hell was really happening with the cabin. So, yeah, I don't think most of us knew exactly what the hell was going on. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just revealed at this point that the facility people are controlling things or, or, or something. Are they controlling the zombies? Are they people? We won't know. But the show must go on. Anyway. The zombies awaken. And they're zombing around. And they're stretching. And they're talking about the black room. And then shit starts to get real. And Facility wins the pot again because they chose the killers. Killer zombies. And then a new guy in the office is questioning what the hell is going on with these old remnants of the old world. Um. What old world? What, what, are, we, what are we talking about? Old world. We're still in the John Travolta meme. Old world, what? 
Westworld? Are they talking about Westworld? He has no idea what the hell's going on, or maybe he has some idea, but they don't really allude to how much we know. Back in the old cabin, everyone's just a little freaked out about what just happened when they read the Latin book, because <laughs> not freaked out enough to leave. Oh, and Holden speaks Latin. Mmm, phenomenal, Holden. Holden speaks Latin, wow. Just a little bit. I just picked up a little Latin back in high school. Just a little bit. I mean, I wrote a novel and my thesis is likely going to be in Latin and the phenonic structures of Latin is what I'm probably going to write my thesis in. Uh, Holden, says Kurt. Uh, aren't you uh, the football day? No, no, no football players should know Latin. Oh, you're right, Kurt. That's why I just stopped doing that after I joined the football team in high school. I don't know where I'm whispering, Holden. I, I mean, Kurt. <laughs> anyway, can we move on? Suddenly, the new guy comes into the office and they tell him that they are not the only ones who are watching the sex scene that's about to happen between Kurt and Jules. And they must watch to keep the other guy satisfied. Hmm? What other guy? I don't know. In the meantime, they're all sitting there, eyes peeled wide open, waiting. And then we're back outside, and suddenly a zombie stabs Jewel, and Jewel's like, and then a fight ensues between Kurt and the rest of the zombie. And by this point, Kurt, who is, by the way, Chris Hemworth, hasn't developed his store powers yet. Neilnor, Neilnor, damn it, no Neilnor yet. Oh, all right. Guess I'll have to fight you with the old hands, huh? And Kurt starts fighting. Get him on, man. <laughs> starts fighting with the zombies, and then suddenly, from out of nowhere, Jules is beheaded. And the men in the office say a prayer to their god and flip some switch that releases some blood into some sacrificial device or a machine. I don't know what it looks like. And back in the cabin, Marty, Marty, you gotta get out of here, Marty. The zombies are coming. Marty's hearing shit. He decides he's gonna go out for a walk. Marty's high as fuck, most of the film, including at the scene. Then Marty walks outside and, uh, you know, starts to pee and uh, he realizes that there's no stars above. Jeez, Doc, are there no stars in the past? This is heavy duty, Doc. And sees no stars, and behind him, the zombie girl from the diary, patient, just a little, and she really is just a little patient, just a little patient, yeah. I've been walking the streets tonight. And she's walking, and she's missing an arm. And this little patient is walking right up behind Marty, and uh, suddenly... He's urinating and she's creeping behind. And Kurt out of nowhere. Ah, Marty! Marty, you gotta come back with me back inside the cabin, Marty. He tells Marty they gotta get out of there. And by the way, this is the jump scare that got me. It's good. Good jump scare. And they're back in the cabin and Kurt says that Jules was dead. Zombie got her from out of nowhere. I don't know what happened. I called me on there. I called for me on there. But damn you, Odin. Damn you, Odin, for not granting me the powers of Thor. Of course, it's not Thor yet. This happened before. They got him cheap. Congratulations. And they're in the cabin, and then he mentions to them that Jules is now dead. And, uh, you know, that we got to get out of here. Run. Get to the chopper. And the control center is now purposely splitting them up, even though Kurt says that they should all probably stick together. Which is no good for the sacrificial thing or the ritual that they are performing at this point. At this point, it feels like they are not necessarily in control of the zombies, but they're definitely rigged the game. Billy? Yeah, I mean, like the whole leather thing and the sacrificing of the blood, uh, something strange is happening. We just don't know yet. I agree to agree. 
We must go on. Then Marty stumbles on the camera and he realizes that something's not right. But Judah Buckner, the zombie man from hell, capture him, captures him and heals him? I don't know. He's a little bit of an unreliable narrator because he's always high. Did he get caught and did he get killed? Or is he just high somewhere? Don't know. But anyway, there goes Marty. Marty, no! Back at the cabin, Dana and hold on, actually, no, hold on just a second because when that happens, another sacrificial lever is pulled. Another sacrificial lever is pulled in the same, uh, you know, the, in the same sort of style. I'm doing this with my hand again. And the same sort of style that happened with, uh, with Dana, uh, I'm sorry, with Jewel when she uh, was moited by the zombies. And so back in the cabin, Dana and Holden now jump into the basement, into the black room for some reason, to escape the zombies that are chasing them. And the black room is exactly where just a little patience, yeah, was killed by her dad, Buckner, but not Bill, another Buckner. And suddenly, Olden is attacked and nearly killed. Ah! Help me, Dana. Help me. You're my only hope. And thankfully, Dana rescues him. You know, tough gal, Dana. It's certainly starting to show like Dana is going to be our final girl, considering the other ones already dead. So by the process of elimination, two minus one. Race that. that. Two minus one equals zero final. No, that can't be right. Two, one final girl left. The math checks out. So Dana rescues Holden and suddenly cut the hero from Marvel movies. Kurt, later known as Thor. Odin, damn you! Grant me the powers of Thor at once so that I behead these zombies. Joins them as well, and he calls for Milner, but Milner never shows up, right, Billy? Oh man, he's. You're making shit up again. He's not calling anything. You're watching the wrong version of the film again there, Billy boy. Oh my goodness, just. Let's just keep going. Anyway, Kurt joins the, uh. Joins the other two in the basement as they escape into the woods. And they reach their RV. And they turn on the song. And in the radio, the song is playing Holiday Road. Holiday Road. Like in uh, the family vacation movies. Ugh. Lord. What? <laughs> what happened? And then the office tunes into Japan where there's these nine-year-old girls who defeat their demon. Yeah! And they're all partying and all like, yeah, what the nine-year-old girls and defeat the demon, yeah. No demon for us. And the sweets defeat their demon as well! Congratulations! And the RV is on its way to escaping because the tunnel that was supposed to close off by somebody in the office was not closed off. Damn it, Johnson! I told you to close off the dang tunnel! I gotta do everything around here. And Gary runs! And he's trying to close up this tunnel and he's fiddling with some fidgeting with some wiring. He can't! But suddenly he figures it out and the tunnel explodes. Congratulations! Preventing the teens from escaping and of course immediately after this Kurt gets out of a vehicle and calls on the power of Odin again. Odin, you've heard my, you've heard my prayers, father. Thank you for granting me this motorcycle, this vehicle so that I may jump in that direction and look for the Avengers as I find help. This Mjolnir is not here anymore. Mjolnir, I command you. Damn you, Odin, for not granting me the power of Odin, but thank you for 
The motorcycle, the motorcycle shall do. And he jumps into his motorcycle. I'll bring back help and Odin and Steve. Steve? You don't you don't know Steve? Steve's my buddy. Yeah. You may know him as Captain. He's the first Avenger. Not the strongest Avenger. You don't know that because I time traveled into the future on Marty's time machine. Marty's not here, he's dead. But I become a god. That's when I'm gonna jump on my motorcycle and through that force field that Captain Kirk earlier said was invisible. I don't see it. <laughs> I don't have my powers yet. And Kirk jumps into his motorcycle and jumps into, uh, you know, over some thing with a body of water underneath some cliff. Attempting a suicide jump to the other side, the heroic man that he is, and he goes, ah, by the power vested in me by Odin, I shall reach the other. And he crashes into Captain Kirk's invisible force field. Thor, I thought I told you to hold on. I told Mr. Spock to analyze the force field, and he has not returned any conclusive answers yet. Mr. Spock? No data yet, Captain. Jim? And now Thor is dead. But well, we must continue. The show must go on. And then Jules now realizes that Marty was right about the puppeteer's nonsense that he was talking about when he was super high. And just as they strive away and Holden is about to give a super dramatic speech about how, well, it's just me and you now, Dana. I'm going to drive this RV and we're going to get out of here. And, you know, you're my family now. And, well, you know, family needs to stick out their neck for each other. As he's saying, stick out their neck for each other. He gets stabbed right in the back of his neck and through it there's a stick sticking out of the old neck and uh, poor, poor choice of words what'd you say Billy uh, I mean you had, yep. that scene that you just described is somewhat accurate but he never said that we gotta stick our necks out for each other uh, uh, you're just making that up I think no, no 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 you're just watching you're watching the PG-13 version or the Disney version of this movie he said I remember this I even wrote it down in my journal that night he said Holden said something very funny tonight Let's all stick out our necks for each other. That's what family is. And then he gets stuck in the neck by a stick, which sticks out of his neck. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Lord. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm going to go on a day or something. All right. All right. We continue. And then, just about he's about to give this uh, dramatic speech. He's dead. Jerry Seinfeld. He's dead. They stick kill the guy. You couldn't say it was because he was black, because he was a light-skinned black guy. And they didn't kill him first. Well, And then suddenly the RV crashes and Dana is trapped underwater. And doesn't matter, the ritual is not complete because Dana, who was the virgin of the group, yeah, she's the, you know, she's an optional death, so they don't actually have to kill her. But back in the back in the old office, everybody's just like having a good time and celebrating. Yeah, we did it, boys! And they're all celebrating because the ritual is now complete, and they're dancing. And Gary and Steve are talking about women's issues again, and uh, they, uh, Wendy tries to join in, but you know, she, what does she know? But oh, all is that well. A phone rings, a red one. It's someone from upstairs and something isn't right. And it's obviously uh, the parents from Charlie Brown. Huh? What do you mean something's not right? Okay, understood. We'll get, we'll get to the bottom of it. Now something's not right. And then back to Dana, who is now being tortured by the creature that caused the stabbing of, uh, the creature that caused the, the stabbing of Holden. That's the name of a short story. And she's getting tortured by this guy, and suddenly, 
from out of nowhere. Dana, it's me, Marty. You got to come back with me. Back to the cabin. Something's got to be done about these monsters and this sacrificial shit that's going on, Dana. And only you can stop this. You're the son. What a heroic return for Marty. And they, uh, they both jump into a DeLorean and uh, they, uh, they travel back to the cabin themselves. Oh my god, no, they did not jump into a DeLorean. Oh, Jesus. Fine. Marty and Dana jump into some grave. A grave where, you know, just a little patient. Yeah. Where little patients and, you know, Bill Buckner, or not Bill Buckner, zombie jumped out of. And uh, suddenly there's an elevator in there. And they jump into it. And the elevator car travels sideways, but not to the future. And they're traveling to some place that houses ghosts and werewolves and other monsters and all kinds of creepy shit. And a girl with a face with a mouth that's infinite mouth girl and it's just disgusting. Just like a bunch of teeth everywhere. By the way, spoiler full review! And in another box... Blade Man, but not Blade Runner or Blade. The soon-to-be Mahershala Ali movie was previously Wesley Snipe movie, also based on a Marvel character, but no relationship to Thor or Chris Hemsworth, who isn't really Thor just yet, because Odin, damn you, Odin, did not grant him the powers of Thor, therefore didn't have Odin. Just gave him a little motorcycle, which he died when he hit Captain Kirk's force field. For those of you... Just joining in. And the elevator is moving. And Blade Man is holding a ball that... The same ball that Kurt was holding. And it's just Blade Man is just Blade Manning like this. Forever. And he's just holding a little ball. And the elevator, the elevator begins to move. And back in the office, they're all starting to worry about Marty outliving Dana because the whole thing goes to shit if he does. Steve and Gary are talking about, uh, you know, what would happen, the catastrophic circumstance. Now, hold on just a second. Hold on just a second, Steve. Are you telling me that Marty... Build a time machine out of a DeLorean? No, 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 no. That's not what happened. That's not what happened, Gary. What happened was Marty survived. He survived Bill Buckner's stabbing. And little, the little patient, just a little patient. She, she didn't kill him. We don't know where little patient is. Just around here somewhere. Something bad will happen if Marty isn't killed before Dana. Dana, it doesn't matter if she dies. She's an optional sacrifice. Doesn't mean shit. But Dana and Marty are caught. And just as they are about to get captured by an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think? Not S.H.I.E.L.D. A zombie hand uh, in the elevator. <laughs> Macho man, the macho man, Randy Savage, zombie man, doing all kinds of zombie shit. Grabs the agent's leg. And it's enough to allow them to escape. And then a woman over the PA says that. Hi, guys. Uh, this is uh, the director. And, you know, it's just. Can we have a little moment? Can, I, can we just be serious for a moment here? Oh, thank you. Thank you for turning off the, the music, guys. Uh, listen. I'm just going to go out and say it. We need you, Dana. Dana, you need to die. Uh, you need to appease the gods in a ritualistic fashion. We need to please the ancient ones. So if you would just please die, that would be amazing. Uh, wait, hold on just a second. Oh, I'm sorry. I got that wrong. Actually, Marty, if you would just please die before Dana... Dana, you're completely optional, but at this point, you're causing way too much trouble, and clearly, you've seen inside the facility where Blayface Man is, and, you know, at, at this point, you're just gonna have to die, too, but please make sure that Marty is the one that dies before Dana, alright, thank you so much, uh, please continue with your music. 
That's the one. That's the one. Please go on. And then they stumble into a monster control room where they are being shot at. And suddenly the monsters are all released. And I guess you could say it was a, a monster mash. They did the monster mash. And a bunch of monsters are now released and Marty pulls the lever and then all hell is like starting to break loose and everyone in the office is not being attacked by some zombie or some monster, some fucking crazy creature. I'm here fucking dying. Oh, hell is now done breaking loose and Mordecai is jumping into the action with his machine gun and shit. He's machine gun. Don't, don't take me. And the hell continues to break loose, and suddenly Steve, which by the way, kept making a joke to a merman in the entire movie, finally gets killed by a merman. And Wendy's taken out by some monster that I didn't recognize, and the only one who escapes is Gary. Hi, Gary! And he accidentally gets. By Dana before he dies. Captain Kirk, before he dies, Gary says, Kill them all. Kill them all and damn them all to hell. Thank you, Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, a special guest accounts by Captain Kirk. And Dana and Marty keep walking. We're walking, walking. And they're doing the Ric Flair. Just doing the Ric Flair. That was more like a sting. No idea what I'm talking about. You should really look up Sting and Ric Flair. So Dana and Marty keep walking further down in this ritualistic place that they all find themselves in. And suddenly, Sigourney Weaver shows up. Hey guys, it's me, and... Oh, I'm not on the microphone anymore. I'm sorry. So, uh, the whore, the athlete, the scholar, and the fool, they all need to die, and... Well, if they don't die, then... Unfortunately, all the whores will be released. And that is... Not good. The ancient ones will rise! If all these people are not killed, and no, if you saw my previous film, the Alien movie from 1977, by the way, complete space banger, finalist of final girls, if you have not seen that movie, you should totally go watch it, and if you are listening to Rick's Horror Movie Review Show, if you had not listened to that review, go check that one out, total banger. And she tells them about the ancient ones. Uh-huh, the ancient ones will rise. The cream rises to the top, yeah. And the ancient ones themselves will also rise to the top, yeah. Uh-huh, so that's why all of you must die, yeah. And Joss is about Dana, who came upon some gun somewhere earlier, and is about to shoot Marty. She's attacked by a werewolf, but when asked... About the werewolf's origins, he responded he was not, in fact, from London. He was an American. And suddenly the director and Marty fight. Stick him up, Marty. And then the one armed little patience girl. Yeah. The one armed zombie girl, patience, shows up and kills the director. Like, ah, the, ah. She done be dead now. And Marty kicks them down below with the ancient ones. And um, that's it for them. They died. And Marty sits next to Dana, the hero that he is. And he lights up a joint. He's like a joint. Giant evil gods, man. <laughs> like, totally cool. Maybe it's time to, like, give them a chance or something, you know? And suddenly the place starts to fall apart. Everything is crumbling, and unfortunately, the fate of the world is now. The fate of the world is now out of your hands. 
Mr. Spock, the analysis on that force field. No conclusive data yet, Captain. And then a giant hand of God explodes from under the ground and is about to drop the elbow macho man style. He's signaling to the top of the giant hand. Oh, yeah. Suddenly, the cabin is destroyed by the giant hand from the ground and the movie ends. And that's it. And what an absolute phenomenal movie. Great story, well acted, interpretation of ending. Really? What do you say? You want to take over this one? Well, I mean, I think that uh, the movie is about appeasing the ancient ones, and I think what they were trying to appease maybe is appease horror movie fans, right? I mean, that's what it feels like. They were just like, all the tropes would have to happen, and... You know, the, the virgin doesn't need to die because obviously that's the final girl. But if she dies, she, if she dies, she dies. Whoa, if she dies, if he dies, he dies. He's doing an Ivan Drago now? Yeah, I, I just saw Rocky the other day. Great movie, too. Maybe you should review Rocky. Maybe we could review Rocky 4 on Rick's other movie review show. Rick's rated our other movie review show. Yeah, yeah, we should do that movie. Totally, that's such a great movie. I love that movie. Anyway, what do you think? Interpretation. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so I, I think the Ancient Ones were just a horror movie fan, so that would be me, and that would be you, and that, that would be all the, all the people listening to us. So us. Yeah, us. We're the Ancient Ones, and uh, we needed to be a piece. I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't really like the horror movies, especially like slasher shit. Like, oh, the girl's running, and suddenly she's like the dumbest character person in the world. And she trips and she dies. I hate that shit. I mean, that happened in the movie too. Oh, I know. I remember. Anyway, I, I think that's what it is. That's my interpretation. Okay, not bad. Not bad, eh? I'm going to agree with you on that. I agree with Billy on that one. I think the ancient ones were the horror movie fans. Considering this is, you know, just a love letter to the genre and uh, the ancient ones being the people that need to be appeased. And you got to make a horror movie. You got to make sure that the horror movie fans like it. And so I agree with you. Final rating. Have you already heard it already? We're going to give this movie a 10 out of 10. And if you are still... Still there listening to us. We appreciate you being here yet again. And it's been a while since we've done a long review like this one. But we are back. We'll catch us again tomorrow when we do another exciting, long or short, we don't know, exciting episode for certain of Rick's Horror Movie Review Show. That's Rick's rated our horror movie review show. And please be our friend on the old socials, on the Instagram and the TikTok. And the YouTubes and the Facebooks, if people still use that. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll catch you again on Rick's Horror Movie Review Show. Rick's rated R Horror Movie Review Show.